Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. Well, we have two scripture readings this morning. The first one comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, and it says this, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. The second reading comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first one, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, 12, and 17 through 19. Brothers and sisters, I want to call your attention to the good news that I preach to you, which you also received and in which you stand. You are being saved through it if you hold on to the message I preach to you, unless somehow you believe it for nothing. I pass on to you as most important what I also received. Christ died for our sins in line with the scriptures. He was buried and he rose on the third day in line with the scriptures. So if the message that is preached says that Christ has been raised from the dead, then how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And what's more, those who have died in Christ are gone forever. If we have a hope in Christ only in this life, then we deserve to be pitied more than anyone else. If you would, please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for this time of worship. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit be upon us as we begin to embark on the sermon series in which we ponder what is your, who are you? What is the meaning of faith? What is true and what isn't true? And ultimately, what does that mean for our lives? And we pray that your wisdom be with us and your Holy Spirit would work in and through us throughout this worship and throughout the week to come. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we're starting a new sermon series called Heretic. Um, And in this um, sermon series, we're going to explore some modern day heresies. So if you don't know what a heresy is, it's basically a belief or opinion that's contrary to the generally accepted belief. So we're going to look at some common heresies in the Christian faith, maybe some that you've heard of, maybe some that you don't, maybe some that you even believe in yourself. And these um, heresies have typically been um, developed with good intentions, um, but they might lead to unintentional outcomes. And so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into them and see what's at stake um, in what we believe. And the church um, sort of historically has not uh, addressed or engaged people with different beliefs um, in a way that's been very helpful. Um, They've often labeled people as heretics, um, using the term sort of more as a weapon to condemn people um, whose views are outside the accepted norm. And the church often, in an attempt to just hold tight to a particular system of beliefs, have often outlawed other beliefs or they've punished people for believing things that are outside the the norm, often ostracizing them or even expelling them from the church. So I think the problem with the strategy is that whenever somebody believes something different then, right, they fail to voice it because they fear being rejected or being coined a heretic. So in this series, we're going to try to explore some of these popularly held heresies, not so that we can categorize people um, into being a heretic or being true believers, 
but so that we can look a little bit deeper into why people may have ascribed to these beliefs and why people have held on to traditional Christian beliefs and why it matters to us today. So the goal of this series isn't to assert that there's only really one way of looking at things in the Christian faith or looking at who God is. But my hope is that it will help us to think through what we believe and to evaluate in the end if that's really what we believe. In the scripture passage that we read earlier from 1 John, it says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And so our goal really is to test our beliefs and to see whether or not those beliefs are what we really believe, right, when we follow them through to the end. Um, if they don't align with Christian belief, and perhaps um, sometimes maybe we still stand by the things that don't align with Christian, the Christian faith, and that's okay too. But the hope is that we have a strategy where we're not just randomly believing things, but we're really thinking through what we believe and what the consequences of that is. And so my hope too in this series is that it'll help us to wrestle with some of these common um, beliefs, but it will also provide a sort of a framework of thinking about what we believe going forward. And it'll provide us some space to talk about what we believe. Because I guarantee you that no two people listening here today believe the exact same thing about God, right? We all hold a diversity of beliefs and it's important for us to engage in conversation with one another because ultimately none of us know completely who God is. None of us have it figured out, even though maybe a few of us maybe act like we do, right? But we need to have these conversations with one another so that we can each grow in faith to further our own understanding of God, to help other people understand God. And so ultimately we can all better live as God calls us to live. So the first belief that we're going to tackle in this sermon series um, today is a belief that some people hold that Jesus was a great moral teacher, but that he wasn't divine or he wasn't the son of God. Now, some people like to put Jesus more in this category of a prophet or a leader who taught about God, who helped people to know God, who led people to live according to God. But at the end of the day, they believe that he was merely a human being perhaps more like the great leaders of the Old Testament, like Moses or Abraham, or like the prophets, like Isaiah or Jeremiah, right? They don't believe that he did miracles or that he healed the sick or that he was even resurrected from the dead. And while he has some good teachings, right, that are useful in shaping our lives, because they don't believe that Jesus is the son of God or they don't believe that he's divine, they don't think that we ought to worship Jesus either. And I think this view has become um, more and more prevalent in modern Christianity. At least I've been hearing it more and more. And while for some of you, maybe it's shocking to hear that some people don't think that Jesus is divine or the son of God. It is something that people have struggled with from the very beginning of Christianity. In fact, it took several hundred years before a Christian doctrine was actually established on the nature of Jesus. In the 300s, the debate really sort of came to the head, and there were two viewpoints at that point um, that were contending against one another. The first was Arianism, named after Arius, who was the one who proposed it. And he concluded that Jesus was special in some way, but he wasn't the same as God, but rather he was created by God. 
On the other end of the argument was Athanasius, and he was arguing that Jesus was both fully divine and fully human. Two natures in one, he would say. They, we call that a hypostatic union. And that Jesus and God were of the same substance. And the word that was used for that was homoousios, right? That Jesus wasn't created by God, but was God. So spoiler alert, Athanasius won that argument. The controversy was not only dividing the Christian community at the time, but it was dividing the Roman Empire. And so Emperor Constantine, hoping to put the argument to rest, presided over the Council of Nicaea in 325, um, which formulated the Nicene Creed, which we still recite today. It's in our uh, United Methodist hymnal in the back. And it affirms Athanasius' position that Jesus is the same substance of God. And while fully divine... He was also fully human. But Christians continued to question and struggle with this idea of who Jesus was even today. So why do we hold on to this belief? And why does it matter that we say that Jesus was more than just a human, that Jesus was actually more than a moral teacher? He was divine in the Son of God. And what does it mean for us today? So that's what we're going to kind of try to wrestle with today. We see this debate actually playing out even in our um, New Testament uh, scriptures when, um, you know, we're first writing down like what it is that we thought about this guy, Jesus, who came and upended the world. And so we find Paul laying out in his first letter to the Corinthians why it's important that we believe in the divinity of Jesus. And Paul is really confronting this idea that Jesus wasn't really more than um, a human being, um, but that he was actually risen from the dead. And Paul in his letter gives us three reasons why he thinks it's important that we believe that Jesus is divine and not simply human. So this again is from our scripture passage from earlier. It's the 17th and 18th verse of um, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And it says this, If Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins, and what more? Those who have died in Christ are gone forever. So he's he's saying it's important to believe that Jesus is divine and not just um, human, because otherwise, first, your faith is worthless. Second, he says, still, you'll still be in your sin. And third, those who die in Christ are gone forever. So we're going to dive into each of these uh, a little bit deeper um, to try to see what they mean for us today. So his first um, argument is that your faith is worthless. And so people who I think want to have a logically make sense of their faith, there are parts of the story of Jesus that just aren't all that logical, right? Uh, The miracles that he does, the the healing that he does, exorcisms, um, taking five fish or five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding 5,000 people, right? For most of us, none of that makes logical sense. And as a scientist, I get it. I don't want to have a blind faith. I want my faith to make sense. But I think the problem is, is that we begin to pick and choose what we're going to believe based on what makes sense to us, what we can get our heads around. And when we do that, Jesus gets reduced to a human being because that's the something that we can understand, (laughs) right? It's a lot more difficult to get our heads around the divine and to make sense of the divine. 
right? When we make Jesus a human being, it actually doesn't require us to believe in anything or to have faith in anything. We can believe that Jesus is a good moral teacher because we've all known good moral teachers. But to believe that Jesus is the son of God takes a leap of faith. But Jesus claimed to be more than a moral teacher. He claimed to be the son of God. And that is why the religious leaders, right, ultimately are so upset with Jesus. It's ultimately why they put him to death. Jesus as a teacher only renders our faith unnecessary. And I think on some level, we want Jesus to be something that we can understand, that we can experience firsthand. But Jesus is much more than that. God is much more than what we could ever grasp. It's why we talk about the mystery of faith, right? Belief in God requires faith because God is so much greater than what we can possibly understand. And if we're not willing to believe beyond what we know, our faith is worthless. Now, Paul's second argument is that you'll still be in your sin if you don't believe that Jesus is somehow divine. So if you believe the reason that the world is broken is because we don't know how we're supposed to live, then we just need a good moral teacher to save us, right? If we just need to learn how we ought to live, and then the world will be restored to paradise, if we just have a good teacher to teach us what we're supposed to be doing, everything will be back to the way it ought to be. But in his letter to the Romans, Paul talks about how he does not do the good that he wants to do, but he does the evil that he doesn't want to do. And he just keeps doing the things that he knows he should not do. And we've all been there, right? We've all known the right thing to do, but then we still choose something else. And if that's true, a good moral teacher isn't going to heal the brokenness of the world. Because even when we know the right thing to do, we're still going to do something else. We are stuck in our sin. It isn't just as easy as knowing what we should do. We need help actually doing the thing that we're supposed to do. We don't need a moral teacher. We need a savior. We need someone who can forgive us and redeem us and heal us. And only God is able to save. Scripture says that Jesus came to save, not to teach us, although he did that too. But we needed more than a moral teacher. Athanasius, um, in his treaty on the incarnation, uses the metaphor of a painter restoring his artwork to describe God and Jesus in our lives. In the metaphor, God or Jesus is a painter, and the human soul is the artwork. And the human soul was made in the image of God, but becomes blemished and soiled by our sin. But then Jesus comes to renew the painting so that the portrait may be renewed and restored. Right? The outlines of the portrait exist still and are reusable, but the colors need to be filled in again and again. And then the likeness redrawn. Right? When we come to church, we want more than a moral lesson. We want to know that we are loved. We want to know that we are forgiven. We want to know that we are redeemed. We want to know that God can make something good even out of the bad in our lives and in the world. We want to be healed and made whole again so our lives and the world is restored to how God created it to be.
And the thing is, a moral teacher can't do that. Only God can do that. Only God can save us. And so therefore, it's important for us to stand by this idea that Jesus is the divine, the savior who can do more than just give us a lesson, but can redeem us and recreate us. Now, Paul's third reason is that those who have died in Christ would be gone forever. So if Jesus is just a teacher, then there's nothing more after this life. When we die, that's it. But repeatedly in scripture, we hear that Jesus defeated death. So we have hope that death doesn't have the final word. If we don't believe that Jesus is more than a moral teacher, we have no hope beyond this life. But scripture says our hope is eternal, that God's kingdom will come and we will all be a part of the time when God will wipe away every tear and death will be no more. When there will be no mourning or crying or pain, when when justice and righteousness will prevail. It is important to believe that Jesus is more than just a good teacher, but that he's a divine savior who promises that death is defeated if we're going to have any hope beyond this life. At the end of the day, Right? We believe that Jesus is more than a teacher. We hold on to the belief that Jesus is divine because Jesus doesn't promise us a lesson. He promises us a kingdom. He doesn't promise us better people. He promises to save us when our own efforts fall short. He doesn't promise that the basis of God's love is doing all the right things. But he promises us that God has the power to forgive us and will love us anyway. God doesn't promise us that our hope is only in this life, but he promises our hope is eternal. And this is why historically Christians have held on to this belief that Jesus isn't just a teacher. He's more than a mere teacher or more than a mere human being, but that Jesus is also divine. And if you're still wrestling with this idea that Jesus is fully human and fully divine, be assured you are not alone. You follow in a long line of people who have wrestled. But I encourage you not just to reduce Jesus to something that you can understand and in turn take away everything that Jesus has to offer us, but to lean into faith and believe, I believe, you'll find it worthwhile. If you would, please pray with me. God, we come to you with humility that we can't understand who you are or what you have done for us. We ask that we can see you for who you are and what you did and who you are in our lives and to have a deep understanding of who you are, that you are not just a teacher, but you are a redeemer, a savior, one who works in our lives to transform us and to transform the world. Amen.